We're reading the scripture together, and it is James chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. And I asked Sherry Lynn to help, because I didn't want to read the whole thing by myself. Do you want to start? Absolutely, Bonnie. I'm reading for the NIV version. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. This is why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into dejection. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers and sisters. Whoever speaks evil against another or judges another speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. So who then are you to judge your neighbor? Welcome to Weston Park Baptist Church Um, as we begin this first Sunday of March. uh, Spring is not too far away. I think we have now been closed for about a year, maybe a year right on. So it's uh, been a wild run, hasn't it? And uh, we anticipate things getting back more to normal uh, soon enough. We've been looking at the book of James and Uh, I want to begin today with a quote from Carlo Corretto on God's desire for us and our desire for him. And this is in the context of becoming a friend of God. Remember, James has already spoken about Abraham as a friend. And Jesus in the Upper Room Discourse invites us to become friends of God, his friends. And so this piece resonates, Corretto, along that line. So he writes... The God of faith is not a God who is silent, a God who is inactive, a God who is not present to us. To you who see a person, he is a person. To you who have life, he is life. To you who have love, he is love. He is the other who is searching for you. He has always been searching for you. And you too are looking for the other even when, and it often happens, 
you feel you are doing something quite different. So Carlo Coretto writes, that God is always a God who comes to us. That's the incarnation, the story of God coming to us. And as he comes to us, he does so because he wants to be known. He wants to move into relationship with us. And the great invite, our great yes, is to open our hearts and minds to him. And so James, the brother of Jesus, is reminding of this, even as he speaks about the real issues that are going on in the church in Jerusalem uh, in the first century. And indeed, what we see here right off the bat is that there is tension uh, within the church in Jerusalem. You know, tension is part of it. If you, if you have community, you're, you're going to have people rubbing each other. That's just the way it is, and we all experience that. And if we say, oh, we need to get back to the first century church and everything was great, well, that, that's not really true. The first century church had tensions and quarrels and dissension, even as we can. And so as we hear the text as James begins, you know, we pick that up. So he writes... Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasure. So that's how James begins chapter 4. And, and we, we might hear something of an exaggerated speech here because it's the language of a prophet. And the prophet is highlighting what he wants to say. So whether indeed people were committing murder, that seems you know, pretty, pretty strong. But it's the idea that uh, James is writing about. There is dissension, there is conflict, within the church. So he's going to speak about the issue of friendship with God, but it's in the context of of rumblings and grumblings and hassles with one another. And a key word that is used in verse 1 and 3 is the Greek word hedone, from which we get hedonism. And in verse 1, in the NRSV, it's translated cravings. And in verse 3, you'll see it as pleasures. So just remember, all the English translations are not the same. So I'm working with the NRSV. Cravings, verse 1. Pleasures, verse 3. So James is saying, you are wanting your own way. You are wanting what you want. And you are not engaging the other very well. So you're wanting your own cravings, your own pleasure, and because you're not getting it, you're at odds with one another. That's essentially where James is going. And so when that's the case, we act out. We act like children, children in the playground where, you, you know, somebody gets the ball and the other person wants, the kid wants the ball, and then they start fighting with one another because you just want what you want. And they get frustrated. And James is saying, we're, we're acting out in the same way, and we are also getting frustrated. And so our cravings and our pleasures, because we are, get frustrated, then we're uptight with one another. We want it now, we throw a tantrum. So we might think, well, come on, man, we're adults, we don't act like that. But if you go back to the biblical story, for example, Genesis chapter 4, we have Cain and Abel, two brothers. 
And Cain becomes angry because he feels that, you know, his, his brother is showing off and getting the better of him. So what, what does he do? What does Cain do? Picks up a rock and he hits Abel on the head and kills him. They're brothers. And they act out. And someone dies. So we have envy, we have jealousy, we have anger. And it leads to murder. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, right in chapter 5, as he begins that, that, you know, you hear the law, do not murder one another, do not kill one another. But I say to you, do not become angry with one another. Because anger is the spirit that leads ultimately to murder. So Jesus just draws back and says, hey, look at the big picture. So the problem is, is indeed we do act out, we become angry, we may not kill someone as Cain did, but we might kill them in our hearts. And we may say things. And this can play out in your family, it can play out in the the local church, certainly plays out in our society. We see that. The riots rushing in the American in Washington towards the Senate. and they're, they're ready to kill somebody if they find them. That anger leads to that kind of violence. And James is saying that even in the church, there it is. And so he speaks to the church in Jerusalem, mostly Jewish Christians, and he's saying, hey, we have to be careful because we're acting out. He goes on from that. Adulterers, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that it is for nothing that the scripture says God yearns jealously for the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives all the more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So again, prophetic speech, adulterers. Jesus speaks at one point, you adulterous generation. What what does that mean? He's, He's saying you are breaking the covenant that we have with God. That's what that means, adulterous generation. You prefer other gods instead of me. So James is saying that's the way we're going. We're aligning ourselves with the world rather than with God. We are becoming friends with the world rather than God. For James, that means identifying with the value systems that are independent from God. That's what he means, becoming a friend of the world. World has to do with the construct that the world is working with, the values that it works and holds dear. And James is saying we we start falling into that value system instead of the value system of knowing God and loving God and loving one another. So we align ourselves with the world. We hear Jesus' parable when he gives the parable of the sower, which is in all the synoptics. And we hear it in Luke, the seed that falls upon the thorns. As for what fell among the thorns, these are the ones who hear But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Pleasures there is the same, hedone, cravings. They are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and the fruit does not mature. You are going after the wrong stuff, Jesus is saying. And when you make that the center of your world, then that's where you're going. You're friends of the world and not friends of the Father. 
of Christ. We go after cares, riches, pleasures. So we can, we can all resonate with that, I think. That's part of how we quickly go. And Jesus is saying we have to watch out on that. So it, it, it resonates with what James is saying here to his church in Jerusalem. So we are not to align ourselves with the value systems of the world, but rather we are to recognize that God is speaking to us and is drawing us. And so this leads us to the key verse in verse 5, and this is how it's translated in the NRSV. If you're working with one of the other translations, it will, they go a different direction. So you might want to look this up, text it on your phone, and look at James 4, 5 NRSV. James says, or do you suppose that it is for nothing that the scripture says God yearns jealously for the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? God yearns jealously for the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. In the Old Testament, we hear at times of God as a jealous God, a God who wants his covenant to hold and to not be broken. So you don't run after other gods. He is a jealous God. He is jealous for us, the song says. He yearns jealously for the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. And so the point of that is that we are to align ourselves with friendship with God rather than with the value systems of the world. So it brings us back to the quote that I read off the beginning at the top of Carlo Corretto, that God desires us. And we desire him, actually, even if we don't recognize it. We can think we're going after all kinds of other things, but, but really, at a deep part of ourselves, we're, we're yearning for something more than ourselves, more than the immediate pleasures we see in the world. We want something more. Ecclesiastes says that we, we have eternity set in our hearts, so there is that peace and Coretto is recognizing that and James is picking up on it here. God yearns for us and whether we use the language of God at all or not at all we actually have a yearning for the eternal. We have a yearning for the infinite and that is a beginning of our longing to know God and to experience him. God yearns for us And God gives grace to the humble. We see that in verse 6. It's a lovely verse as he sums it up. But he gives all the more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He yearns for us. And if we become like children, as Jesus says, and open our hearts to him really, then his presence starts to flood into our realities. God desires us, what is our response to him? That's the invitation. So Abraham, we're told, is already, he was a friend of God. And Jesus invites us to become his friends, John chapter 15. And now we are invited to say yes to him, to open our hearts and our minds. Will indeed we say yes to the friendship that the God of all things, the creator God, who has created us, his creatures, he wants to be in relationship with us. I mean, that's the whole point of the Bible. The whole point of the incarnation of Jesus being born in Bethlehem as a babe is that God comes to us. 
If God is not a God who comes to us, then then why does the incarnation matter? But God comes into our world as a baby, grows as a man, is an individual, a person that we can know, person to person. He comes to us so that we might be in relationship with him, and hence in relationship with the Father. Father, Son, Spirit. God comes to us. So we are called and invited to align ourselves with God and not with the world. So we need to hold on to that. So what's the so what of that? Well, now James gives us a statement, verses 7 to 8. Here we go. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Here, James, if you count them up, he actually gives us ten imperatives, ten commands. There were ten commandments. Now James gives us ten imperatives to this Jewish church, Jewish Christian church. And it's framed by humility. Note that in verse 6 and verse 10. I just read verse 6. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And then at the end, verse 10, he says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. So if you look and draw back in the book of James, the actual premise, the foundation that James is looking for in the people of God is one of humility. That's the fundamental motif for this book, humility. It picks up what Jesus says in Matthew 18, 4, whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. James, the brother of Jesus, would have known him as a humble person. Jesus is the older brother. Jesus could just act, and you know, in that culture, in that day, the oldest, that was the oldest son. I mean, that's a massive position. But James sees him as a humble person. And he hears and resonates with Jesus when he says, whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So humility as the fundamental premise for our life in Christ. Joan Chichester is a writer. She's written some 50 books on spiritual formation, justice issues about the earth. She writes, humility is the admission of God's gifts to me in the acknowledgement that I have been given them for others. Humility is the total continuing surrender to God's power in my life and in the lives of those around me. The total continuing surrender to God is humility. James is saying that's what we are looking for. And the church that embraces humility a church that listens to one another well will be a church that experiences peace. So James is saying that to his church in Jerusalem, and it's one that we continue to need to hear. These ten imperatives, the bookend has to do with humility. So we can condense the ten imperatives to three, and we see this uh, verses 7 and 8. Submit to God, number one. Resist the devil. Draw near to God. That's what James says. Say yes to God. Say no to yourself. Say yes to God. 
Submit to God. Resist the evil in yourself that you want to act out. Resist that. And draw near to God. Why? Because God is a God who draws near to us. So three statements that maybe are worthwhile to remember, memorize, and keep in our hearts. Submit to God, say yes to God, yield to God, take all of me, God, that prayer of Henry Nouwen, take all of me, take all of me, resist the devil, resist our evil inclinations. We've talked about that, the way we want to act out and just do our own thing. Resist that, hold back on that, and then draw near to God. Because God is a God who draws near to us. Three imperatives. And when we do that, when we engage that way, we start aligning ourselves more and more with the values of God and what he has for us in Jesus Christ. And so may I suggest that you'll see on the screen here what we call a mind map. And at the mind map, there it is for us, you see that humility is in the center, humble. And then we have these other spheres all around. We have submit to the right, resist the devil, draw near to God, resist the devil. Remember, in the first century, that was not a long shot, right? The Jewish Christian church knows all about the devil. Jesus experienced the devil in the wilderness. So however you experience that dynamic of resisting God, resist the devil, draw near to God, then note, cleanse your hands, purify your hearts, lament, recognize when you've done something wrong and go back to God and then humble. So you see that circle. Seven spheres there related to the central one of humility. So how does that play out in your heart and mind right now? There you are, we're meeting together virtually. Which one of those sort of sticks in your throat a little bit? Which one rises up and says, hey, I I need to sit with that a little bit more? Submit, resist the devil, draw near to God, cleanse, purify, lament, humble. Humility is what bookends the whole piece, and then James writes about these imperatives, and there we have some of them. When we do that, when we say yes, we start experiencing more and more of God. So in overview, we see that God desires to be in friendship with us. James says, yes, that's true, and then he lays out a path to follow. Submit, resist, draw near. Draw near to the God who comes to us. God is always a God who comes to us. Be attracted to him. Know him. God has a magnetic pull, if you like. He draws us to himself if indeed we move just a little bit towards him. You know, a couple of years ago, I was doing a dive up in Tobermory. And it was a March dive, so it was a very early one. The waters had, the ice had just basically thawed out, and I was the first one in the water there. And when I went into this area over a wall, I was up by myself. I looked at the bottom. The visibility was very clear. Snows had just melted, very cold. And then I noticed this rock. 
an unusual rock. It was about 15 feet away, and so I swam down to it, grabbed it, and it had a, a total different feel from anything around it, and it was actually kind of heavy. And I thought to myself, you know what, Alan, this, this is totally different from anything here. Maybe this is a, a meteorite. So I put it in my BC pocket and did my dive and came back up. So when I came back to Toronto, I, I Googled meteorites. And one of the key things for a meteorite is that if you put a magnet to it, the magnet will just suck right up against the rock. It's magnetic. And so I thought, well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that. So I got a magnet, put it up, and you know what? As soon as I started getting it close to the rocket, sucked right up against it. So I haven't gone the next step to see if it can actually get verified as a meteorite, but let me tell you, it definitely has a magnetic quality. God has a magnetic quality. God is a God who attracts us. So if we open our hearts, he comes to us, and there is a magnetic pull, and we will go that way. If we resist, we stay back far enough, very little attraction. But if we move in, it happens, and we experience God and know him, now and indeed forevermore. So I, I pray, I pray, man, that there is something there for you. Whatever's going on in the midst of this pandemic and all the stuff that's going on, all your issues, God is a God who comes to us, who wants to be our friend now and forevermore. All of us. God loves all of us equally. He's just, there's no favorites. He loves us. He loves you. And he wants to draw us to himself. And so as we pick up the Bible and read it, as we open up our hearts and pray, as we put on some worship music and sing along and praise God, that will resonate and our hearts will start to soften instead of be hard and the resonance will take place and the attraction will take place. Definitely for you, for me, this week in your life, God wants to be your friend. May you say yes, may I say yes and know his attractional power Here we are, starting March, soon spring. Let's open our hearts to him and know his power and presence in our lives through his Holy Spirit. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.